Well, as Graeme said in his welcome, we have now got the internet in the church, hence the reason why I'm able to sit here with my Kindle and wave out to those who are sitting in the body of the kirk, um, but also speak to you without running through my data, and um, we're very thankful for that. However, of course, that's only just the beginning, and our intention is in a fortnight's time that we'll start live streaming from the church, which will be far better than me using my Kindle. It'll be using all the fancy computer and cameras that have been purchased and made in order to facilitate that. It'll be live streaming from the church. Um, and it's intended, and you'll see this in the church magazine, it's intended that those who are presently on Zoom will remain on Zoom. And those who can't access Zoom or are not able to do or don't wish to do that, the folks that come down on a Sunday morning, they'll be here. But alongside that, we also have the parents of our children who will be through in the hall at Sunday school at Park Kids, and they'll be through there and stay through there in a sense, um, and they'll access the hall from the side entrance, and the rest of the folks will access as normal from the main entrance of the church, and the parents will be here as well. We're wanting to try and keep the numbers down to round about 30, but also does mean if somebody did come up from the community and came to the door of the church, they'd be welcome in, which we wouldn't be able to do if we filled the church up to its full quota. Very few churches are actually doing that, even those who are intending to fill to the quota in a sense, are actually finding that people are either not coming or it's actually just too complicated and actually just a great hassle. Um, but also, it's it's important that we do uh, and do act carefully and, and safely. Um, I have to tell you this morning that Nathan Owens, our former assistant, has been diagnosed with COVID-19, I'm just telling the folks over here, um, as has one of his elders, um, and because of that, their church service has been put off and will put off for the next few weeks. Um, as far as I'm aware, Nathan's not really that ill. I'm not so sure about his elder, how they found out or any of the details. But we do want to remember Nathan and his own family and the church family, Kilmore's and the prayers. But it just reminds us of importance to do things safely. I am certainly by no means somebody who's paranoid about the whole thing, but I'm also aware that we have to be safe and do things properly. And that's why for things accessed in the church, the main door is the main access and only the main door, because thank God for the sliding doors. It means you don't have to touch anything or do anything. They're still automatically let you in and then let you back out again. And we don't have any problem with door handles or anything else. It is a challenging time. What with President Trump, not well, although it's highly surprising, he certainly didn't obey um, any of the regulations and is now paying for that. Uh, indeed, a number of the people in the White House staff are paying for that with COVID, and obviously we are concerned for him and for the United States, which is obviously going through a great time of trauma. But of course, we live in a world of trauma. It's not just COVID-19. Some of you who do take the effort and the time to maybe access views outside of the, the main views um, will be aware that we live in a world of great need. Um, there's a war going on at the present time um, between Armenia and Azerbaijan. And if you're not sure where that is, we can go home and Google it later on and you'll find out. It's to the north of Turkey, parts of what were formed with the Soviet Union. There's a war going on between these two countries. And Russia is on one side and Turkey, a NATO ally, is on the other side. Just this past week, I heard about a very tragic situation in India. And when COVID-19 began and the Indian government carried out a lockdown way back in March and April, then many of the poorest people in society who lived in the country, who came into the cities to work, were sent home. Uh, and they were sent home, some of them made their own journeys, but some were sent home in trains and in buses. But the reality now is that we find out that many of these trains never got to their destination. They were rolled into sidings and buses were put up country lanes and the people were left there. And it now appears that many hundreds, if not many thousands of people died either because of COVID or because they were left out in the heat with no facilities, no food, no water. And so we're conscious 
of a world in need, a world of war, a world of inhumanity to, inhuman to humans, a, ma a man's inhumanity to man, a world of great social injustice, and that's not going away. The divisions between the haves and the have-nots are increasing. Even with our own society, that is the case. And so with all those concerns, it'd be very easy for us just to switch off and lock down, if not physically, if we don't just retreat into our homes, although I know some of us still are very concerned about going out and, and all the rest of it, but it'd be very easy for us just to retreat into a lockdown within our own hearts and minds. But even there, as we look into our own lives and as we look into our own circumstances, there are many things that would cause us to be filled with concern. What if? What about this? How about that? And a whole series of questions, often perhaps at the darkest times of night, will come along and trouble our souls and cause us real concern. I want to draw your attention this morning to in one of the passages, actually, that um, we'll be looking at or be thinking about at our devotionals. Just to say, of course, the church is open on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday for private prayer. And as I've said in the past, um, at half past 10 on a Tuesday and Thursday, and again at half past 11, if there's folk here, then I lead in a short devotion. We have a piece of music we listen to, we have a reading and a comment and a short prayer. We do that again on a Wednesday evening at half past seven. And there's an invitation, especially to those who won't be able to come to church on a Sunday, um, but who are about shopping or passing by to come in and sit quietly and pray, but also to take that opportunity, just that short time, to, to spend time with God and with his word. There's also the fellowship groups which are carrying on, and we thank God for that tonight. And the, the women in the world will be gathering here on Wednesday afternoon, refresh. And on Friday morning, we're starting one of the new refresh groups, a fellowship group, and that'll be at 10 o'clock in our church hall here on Friday morning. Again, numbers are limited, so if you haven't already spoken to me, and some have, and you want to come along, then you'll have to speak to me because we have to make sure we've got the right number, not too many. There's also the Zoom group that Ian's leading, particularly for those who wouldn't feel comfortable accessing sort of person to person. And again, a number of folk have um, signed up for that. And if you want further details, then speak to Ian. It's important that we gather around God's word because in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the concerns, midst of the worries, how we need to hear what God says. And so here is God's word taken this morning from the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 14. And here are some of what Jesus had to say to the disciples, probably gathered in the upper room. Jesus, speaking to the disciples, said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you will be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say how much more to you, not, I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now. Let us leave. And it's likely that at that point, Jesus went out with his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peace 
I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I think if we'd been one of the disciples sitting perhaps in the upper room, perhaps at the Passover meal, the Last Supper, or in any of those events during that Holy Week, those words would have sounded all very well, but actually would have sounded as rather airy-fairy and it's all right for you kind of attitude. Because there were the disciples desperately trying to make sense of circumstances that were rapidly running out of their control. Indeed, the whole beginning of this passage begins with Jesus comforting his disciples, we're told, saying that he's going to his father's house and prepared rooms for them. And in verse 5 of chapter 14, we have Thomas, the one quite often that spoke out and expressed what others thought, saying to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And, and that's an expression, the, 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 the question or the comment that T Tim Thomas made, the question that he offered was an expression of their concern, their anxiety. Things were, were going on round about them. They didn't really understand. They weren't very sure where they were going to lead to. That, that gloominess, perhaps, of the upper room simply was, again, an expression of the gloominess of the lower hearts. It was this deep sense of foreboding. And certainly over these last six months, if not over many other times in our lives, no doubt we've had times when we've just wondered what tomorrow was going to bring. There's been a sense of foreboding, a sense of uncertainty, a sense of insecurity, a sense that we're no longer in control, that we can't manage the events that have such an impact on our lives. And we're filled with all sorts of questions, all sorts of concerns, exasperation and anger, fear and sorrow. That is part of the human journey and that's part of the human life. And indeed, trying to ignore these things or anesthetize these things away will simply store up for problems for the future. And so it's, and in many ways, it's right to feel like that because that is part of what God has put into us to make us aware that we actually are frail, that we cannot hold everything in our hands, that we are not the master of our own destinies. There is only one who is in heaven. There is only one who is the creator overall. There is only one who is in charge of all events, and that is God himself, not us. But of course, even within our society, these past months have reminded us, especially those who have maybe no faith or little faith, that they're not in control. Our medical and scientific people have tried to manage it, and there will be a debate eventually as to how well they've done that. And even today, as I've said that, no doubt there'll be questions in our minds about all of that. And as time goes on, those questions aren't going to go away. And again, exasperation and frustration is seen. And in the midst of all of that, we have Jesus sitting with his disciples, calm, collected, and in control of his emotions. And why is that? Well, Jesus makes it clear in the context of these verses, it's because he knows that his father is in control and that what he's doing is pleasing the father and therefore serving the father and therefore bringing hope and help to us. Look what he says. He says in verse 30, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Earlier on, he says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. He has this confidence that God, his heavenly Father, 
is in control. Now, all this taking place, however anarchic or however painful and awful it was going to be, was ultimately all part of God's purposes. And God's purposes were, as I quoted in my opening prayer, God so loved the world. John quotes that very well-known verse, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And why did he do that? So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have life everlasting. This was all part of God's salvation story, the story that began in the book of Genesis and is brought to ultimate culmination in the book of Revelation. And Jesus, the Son of God, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, the one who walks through the vastness of the universe, but also sat amongst his disciples in that upper room. He knew that all that was happening was ultimately in God's purposes, God's plan, and will bring God, God glory. And that's why he could then say to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I, know, I, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus, at the very center, the Prince of Peace, in the midst of the storm, the one who commanded the wind and waves to be still, and they obeyed him. Jesus is now offering his disciples in the midst of all that was happening around about them, that very peace of God. Now, of course, that peace of God is more than the absence of conflict. Indeed, in one sense, it's really nothing to do with the absence of conflict. The actual word, I'm sure many of you will know that, is this word of shalom, the Jewish Hebrew word. And it speaks of literally the peace in the midst of the storm, in the eye of the storm. I'm told, I wouldn't like to fancy ever trying it or anything else, but they do tell me that in the midst of the tornado, at the very heart of it on the earth, there actually is a place of quietness. Everything else is blowing round about you, um, but you yourself in the centre, in that place of quietness and peace are safe. As I say, I wouldn't like to try that out, but I'll take the scientist's advice and comment on those who have tried it out, and I'll believe what they say. And indeed, that is what we're talking about here. In the midst of the storm, there's that peace, that peace, we're told, which is not what the world gives. See, the world tells us we can only be peaceful when everything goes the way we want it to go, when we're in control, when we're in charge, when we can manage our own affairs, when we can make sure that nothing that we would regard as being uncertain or unhelpful or awful happening to us. And peace that goes out the window when we lose that. So therefore, we have to be in control. And I have to say, my friends, and I've said this often over these last six months, what we're seeing in our society is very much a desire to keep control. And it's understandable. But ultimately, it's idolatrous. Because it gives us the impression that we can be like God. The heaven can be our footstool that we can be in charge, that we have the power and authority, not the one who is alone, the creator of heaven and earth. That's not what Jesus is offering. We might try it. We might want human peace. And we might do all sorts of things. And here in the West, we've built up a whole culture of finance and security and money and everything else. And we've done that often at the expense of the rest of the world. But the day will come when that will come crashing down. Will not the God of all the earth do right? He sees injustice. He sees what causes the problems in the world. And it's often our desire for my peace that is the price of someone else's need and injustice. God will not allow that to carry on. We need to know that peace which is beyond all human understanding, as Paul tells us. That awareness of God with us in the midst of what's happening. That assurance that our times are in his hands, 
that he will indeed work all things together for good with those who love him and who are called according to his purposes, Paul tells us in Romans. That awareness of who God is, the majestic God. Again, later on, read these verses. John, John delights in exploring the, the mystery of the Godhead in a way that perhaps other gospel writers don't, don't do. In this passage alone, he talks about the Spirit, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. Verse um, 25, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He speaks of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He speaks of his Father in heaven. He speaks of his own calling to serve the Father, to love the Father, to be obedient to the Father. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who live in perfect peace, perfect harmony, perfect coexistence, and who as one God, not only creates all that is, not only sustains all that is, but saves all that is. That is our God. He is at work. And it's an assurance of that. It's our knowledge of that. It's our confidence in that that gives us peace. And unless we look to him and allow his peace to break into our circumstances, then we're simply left with our pathetic, increasingly pathetic, paltry attempts to make peace for ourselves, which will ultimately fail. And ultimately lead not to life, but to death. So Jesus offers, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And at the very end of this section in John's Gospel, in chapter 16, verse 33, we read, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world again I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world who is the one and I've said this so often it's interesting actually many of the things we've thought about in Sunday mornings over these last dare I say even 20 years keep coming back at least to my mind I suppose I must listen to bone sermons and um, keeps coming back to my mind but who is the one who holds the scroll of human history who is the one who holds the scroll of human history Jesus. He is the one. And he knows. And he tells us, yes, there's going to be hassles. There's going to be trouble. But I am the one who have overcome the world. Satan might laugh on Good Friday and think, I have got you there on the cross. But he fled from the brilliance of the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ when on Easter Sunday the Savior rose again from the grave. That's why we gather every Sunday. Resurrection Day. The Savior died, yes, but rose again triumphant from the grave and now sits at God's right hand and high, all powerful to save. He is the one who's overcome the world. He will roll up human history. He is the one who will bring this world to an end when it's the time for that to happen. And he is the one who will inaugurate a new heaven and a new earth, the Zion, the holy city, where there will be no more crying or tears or sorrow or pain or death. It is him who is in control, not Jason Leach. Not Professor, whatever his name is from down south. Not Boris Johnston. And certainly not President Trump. He is the one who is in control. And he is the one who says to us that in the midst of the worlds of trouble, I have overcome the world. And therefore, therefore, in me, and only in me, can you have that peace which is beyond all human understanding because it stands as a sense of contentment 
and confidence and a cause for hope in the midst of the storm. That's what Jesus offers. That's what he offers to us this morning because of who he is, because of what he has done, because all authority and power is given unto him. He can then offer us this peace so that in the midst of the storms, we can bear witness, not to how well we've managed lockdown or the present crisis or any circumstance in life. In fact, in our weaknesses, God's strength that's to be seen to be perfected, but so that we can testify to the fact that even in the midst of the storm, there is one who has held us in the hollow of his heart and has said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to I give. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. That's our hope. And that's our peace this morning. Let's pray together and let's have a moment of quietness and then I'm going to use the words of an old hymn for our prayer. So just a moment of quiet reflection. And now these words, just let these words speak to our hearts. In heavenly love abiding, no change my heart shall fear. And safe is such confiding for nothing changes here. The storm may roar without me, my heart may low be laid, but God is round about me. And can I be dismayed? Wherever he may guide me, no want shall turn me back. My shepherd is beside me, and nothing can I lack. His wisdom ever waketh, his sight is never dim. He knows the way he taketh, and I will walk with him. Green pastures are before me, which yet I have not seen. Bright skies will soon be o'er me, where the dark clouds have been. My hope I cannot measure. My path to life is free. My Savior has my treasure. And he will walk with me. Lord Jesus Christ, hear us as we pray. Amen. Back to